Hello and welcome to the f first installment of my Hacker Public Radio series on an introduction to audio and podcast and augcasting. This first episode, we're going to be talking about what audio is and uh, some of the things that we can do with it. So, first of all, we should define what audio is. Um, what audio is are um, mechanical waves that are sent through the air uh, in the form of vibration. Um, but typically in audio, especially when you're dealing with electronics, we refer to audio in a sine wave. And if you don't remember from high school science what a sine wave is, you can think of it kind of like a piece of spaghetti. If you stretched it out, cooked spaghetti, of course, stretched it out in front of you, and you bent it into an S shape, making continuous S shapes. And that would be the sine wave, typically representing audio. Now, <clears throat> there's two different components to audio. The first is the frequency. And the frequency is the distance between each of those S's horizontally. So if you took and measured from each um, peak or valley to the next one, that would indicate the frequency of the wave. And then the height vertically from the highest point to the lowest point would represent the amplitude. So the closer together the the frequency is, the closer together the humps are, the higher the frequency, and the further apart, the lower the frequency. And then the taller, the louder it is in amplitude, and the shorter, the quieter. Typically in audio, we refer to um, gain as an increase in amplitude, and we do that through an amplifier. But an amplifier can also what's called attenuate, which is the opposite of gain, and that's make things quieter. So typically when we're dealing with audio, we're using an amplifier to either increase the audio level or decrease it. And that's most of what we do, uh, except for filtering, which is uh, equalization. We'll talk more about that in a later series. So. With analog audio, we represent it in a sine wave, but we can't represent digitally a sine wave perfectly because we're not dealing with uh, all these different values on each point of the sine wave. It's continuous, right? So what we have to do is break it up for digital. And if you can imagine um, how we do that is we take slices of the sine wave. So if you took a knife and held it vertically along the spaghetti noodle we're talking about, and we started chopping it up, okay? How many segments we get indicates the bit rate. And the higher the bit rate that we're using, the more accurately we represent the sine wave in the analog realm. And we're able to reproduce that analog later when we do the conversion. Oh, I should say that the conversion from analog to digital is called analog to digital conversion or ADA. And then the converse would be digital to analog, which is uh, a DA, digital to analog conversion. So sometimes you hear 
hear people refer refer to uh, a DAC, which is a digital digital to analog converter, or an ACK, or AD ADC. Sometimes you see CADC or DCCA or AC. Um, you'll see that kind of terminology, and they're just referring to the conversion between analog and digital, and digital and analog. So the bit rate that we get is typically what you hear of in um, hertz. So you'll hear like 44.1 kilohertz. You'll hear uh, 48 kilohertz, 96 kilohertz, 192 kilohertz. And that's how many slices we've taken of that audio. Now the human range of hearing for frequency is between uh, about 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. Um, and there's something called the Nyquist theorem that um, is a mathematical form, formula that says to overcome the limitations of conversion to digital that you need to sample at twice the rate of the frequency range. And so typically that would be uh, 48 kilohertz, and that's what you see in Pro Audio. However, when they were first trying to convert audio to digital, uh, it was expensive. It takes a lot of disk space. It takes a lot of room, and there wasn't a lot. Disk space was extremely expensive. So what they decided to do was to start storing the stuff on magnetic tape. And the magnetic tapes of the time typically could hold a maximum and sample rate of 44.1 is what fit nicely on there. And that's what is sometimes referred to as a DAT tape uh, or digital audio tape. And it was developed as a way of storing digital audio on an inexpensive media. And that's how we ended up with 44.1. Now, a lot of consumer type stuff uses 44.1 because the, when the CD was introduced, they chose the DAT format in 16-bit uh, audio at 44.1 kilohertz. And that's what you get off a CD. But professionals, because it makes the math easier to do um, different kinds of things with your samples, stuck with the 48 kilohertz. And that's why we have typically sound cards today support either 44.1 or 48 kilohertz. So that represents how much we've chopped up each piece of the audio. Now, how much room we give each slice is what we call bit depth. That's how many bits each slice is allowed to take up. Now, we talked just a second ago that CD audio is 16-bit, um, but... Typically, most good equipment today will use 24-bit, which is really the maximum you're, you're, you're going to need for analog audio. We don't really need much above 24 bits. However, certain processing benefits from having a higher bit rate in the processing range. So the program we're going to be talking about editing in later, Ardor, uses an internal bit depth of 32 floating point bits as opposed to 24 bit but even on the professional end of audio typically they stick with 24 bits 
some of the lower end cards only support, especially USB cards, only support a 16-bit audio depth, which for the purposes we're talking about here for podcasting is going to be plenty adequate. Um, we don't want to use uh, anything below that. Um, typically, say for a cell phone, uh, or the standard for, uh, I should say, telephony audio is 8 bits. So um, we don't really want that low end of audio. We want something that sounds at least reasonably clear. That does make it a little more difficult to um, host call-ins or interviews, but we'll talk about some solutions to that later. So now we've sliced it up. We have a, a bit rate and a bit depth, and we have all this information, right? And if we were to directly encode that onto the disk, we'd get what's called the wave container. And that's just the raw samples taken from the conversion, whatever we're converting with. And certain, certain converters support different bit rates, different bit depths. Um, but... Um, Say, for example, my, my, my card supports um, 32 uh, kilohertz, 44.1 kilohertz, or I'm sorry, 28 kilohertz, 32 kilohertz, 41.1 kilohertz, 48 kilohertz, and 96 kilohertz. 96 is overkill. Some professional audio guys like using it. It takes up a lot of space, and there isn't a, a ton of advantage in using it. Um, unless you have really good uh, analog to digital converters. Um, but what we get written to disk is the raw sample in a wave container. And that wave container is wrapping up whatever we've recorded. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to the audio. It's just the raw samples. We also have something called a broadcast wave, which can be handy when you're dealing with audio files because a broadcast wave not only has the raw samples, but also the time data that it was recorded at. So typically if you're recording in one, one audio editor that supports um, certain file formats and you're converting, you want to use it in a different audio editor and you need to export that but keep things lined up in time, that's why we use the broadcast wave because it, it makes sure everything's aligned time-wise. For example, if you have, say... A segment of audio that you record, you have in the, and you want it in the middle, and you've done a live show and you've inserted this stuff in, and you want it all to line up correctly again, you would want to use something like Broadcast Wave. Otherwise, when you import, it won't it won't line your audio samples up. This is really more important for professional broadcast or people doing uh, professional audio recording or voiceover type of work not super pertinent to um, dealing with um, podcast and oddcast audio. However, if you're doing double ender, it can be handy to export in broadcast wave so that you can ensure that uh, even if you didn't hit record at the same time, they're going to be roughly lined up and you can do the minor tweakings without messing with trying to figure out where everything goes anyways. Okay, so now, now we've got the in a wave format, but because of the amount of disk space that 
uh, raw audio at 24-bit depth rates and 48 or 44.1 kilohertz uh, deal with. Um, they they take up too much room to 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 have people download in a podcast format. So what we use is codecs. So I wanted to touch a little bit on what a codec is. A codec is an algorithm that mathematically reduces the amount of space on disk that an audio that audio takes up. And depending on how aggressive that uh, codec can be, can depend on how small you can get it down. But you, you always get a degradation in quality with a codec. You're always not dealing with the raw audio itself. There's always a degradation with a codec. We have two different kinds of codec. The first is what we call a lossless codec. And what lossless codecs is, they don't do anything that affects necessarily the overall sound. They take out certain zeros and and take out the cruff, say, of silence, things below a certain, fresh, th- certain threshold, rather, uh, aren't important to the audio overall. They're just kind of wasted space. And a, con- a lossless container, say, like a FLAC audio, just removes the cruff, but it doesn't actually uh, do anything to the audio itself to make it fit more on disk. So these are still pretty big files, and nobody releases a podcast or an oddcast I know of in the FLAC format because it's it, even still, we'd be looking, say, an hour long show, we'd be looking at on disk possibly somewhere around um, probably close to about 800 megabytes for an hour long show in stereo. Um, if we use the FLAC container, we can get that down to about 200 megabytes, but you can see that's still way too much for the audio. So then we get into a lossy type of codecs. And what a lossy codec does is it uses an algorithm that actually starts chopping and compressing and doing things with each sample to make it fit into a smaller space on disk. Most of these codecs support either a fixed um, bit rate or a variable bit rate. And we'll talk a little bit about the differences between the two. Um, the bit rates themselves aren't the same as the bit rate we use for taking samples. This is the bit rate of the amount of space it takes up per, um, segment of time of audio. And you can guarantee a certain size for your audio per minute, uh, but the more and more you compress it, the more and more you lose of that audio. So we have basically three different kinds of codecs in the lossy format that we deal with in podcasting and oddcasting. Um, we deal with the MP3 file format, the AUG file format, and the AUG fo- file format with a speaks codec. So AUG can actually be a container around a lot of different things. Uh, We usually use the AUG Vorbis format for audio or AUG with a speaks codec and then MP3, which everyone is pretty much familiar with. There's advantages and disadvantages to going with either. Um, Currently, MP3 encoding is considered patented. Um, those patents really only kick in if you're generating more than $100,000 per year in income, and it's directly related to that format. 
So most podcasters aren't really affected by the MP3 patents, and the patents will be up depending on how you look at the patents that are, uh, apply to it anywhere between 2012 and 2016. The AUG codec is de uh, purposefully developed to be patent unencumbered with uh, an open patent. Um, there is some dispute over whether or not that's actually true, whether some people would actually have patents that apply to AUG. Um, however, uh, it's generally agreed upon that you're, you're okay using AUG, the, the Vorbis format. Speaks is also developed specifically for spoken word audio and it has a smaller uh, disk space imprint. The disadvantage, say, of one over the other would be MP3 is allows you to get into the iTunes store. Now, I know we're talking on Hacker Public Radio about um, what we would be considering open audio or free culture type of audio. And some people don't like iTunes because of the history of DRM and uh, it being Apple and Apple, how it ties down its hardware. However, um, a lot of shows can actually benefit from being on iTunes. And it's a good way of getting content in front of people that aren't familiar with uh, free, as in freedom, and allowing them to access your content. So the only formats that iTunes supports would be the AAC audio, which we didn't talk about and I don't really want to get into. You shouldn't be encoding an AAC or MP3. So sticking with an MP3 stream has the advantage of its availability to iTunes. My personal podcast, about 15 to 30% of my listeners to each episode come through iTunes. So it's not something you necessarily should rule out unless you're really sticking to um, supporting the AUG format, which is fine. So with the AUG format, we typically the algorithms between MP3 and AUG, the AUG is a superior codec, meaning that you can get audio in about the same space as an MP3 with a little more advanced algorithm that has less degradation to the audio. Um, it's not enough to where in a podcast, I, I would really make the argument on quality versus one versus the other. The Speaks codec in an AUG container, however, uh, really is a smaller footprint, but has less quality of audio. And you'll notice that uh, a, a little bit on spoken word, but a lot if you have any uh, music in your podcast. So depending on what you want to do, some people offer an MP3 and an AUG feed. Some people are MP3 only. Some people are AUG only. The, really, the choice is up to you. And we'll talk about the hosting solutions and the complications involved in all of those later when we deal with some of the other issues. For right now, for audio, it doesn't matter. For a podcast, when we're talking specifically on sound quality and audio, uh, uh, pick one, pick them all, doesn't really matter. Um, so I think that pretty much covers uh, audio on a disc. We're ta we, we dealt with some of the terms you're going to be hearing with audio, uh, what some of that means, and um, how we encode. And, and generally, uh, one, one last point I want to make, you don't want to directly record an MP3 
because if you do then want to re-encode it as aug or as speaks, it's a further reduction because you've applied double algorithms to that audio. So typically we want to stick with waves and record in wave and then do it later. If you have limitations in hardware, I understand that this isn't none of these none of this would be a hard and fast rule for anybody. If you absolutely can't don't have enough room on disk to record, what what you can end up doing is certain softwares allow you to then encode to disk in an MP3 container or an AUG container. And uh, then you're only dealing, you're, you're encoding on the fly basically. And then from there on disk, you're dealing with a smaller file format. Uh, for the most part, storage is relatively cheap and uh, you won't need to do this. Um, but uh, your mileage may vary. So I think that concludes this episode on our intro to audio and podcasting if you have any questions feel free to contact me at dworth at opensourcemusician.com you can also visit the webpage opensourcemusician.com and uh, check out more information there including the show notes for the show are up there and you can help me edit um the future episodes and get show notes developed for stuff you, you you'd like to know more about. And uh, I would love to hear feedback and uh, I think that wraps it up. So until next time, podcast out. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.